Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Do you have a smartwatch that measures steps, heart rate, sleep, heart rate variability, lots of other metrics like resting heart rate? If you do, you'll be intrigued by this Bite Size Edition with Blair Crawford, where we discuss biometric advances and how that will impact your future. Blair casts his eyes and gives us an inside tip into where he thinks the future of biometrics are leading us, not only in terms of work, but also our day-to-day lives. Blair is so young, he's so intelligent, he's so healthy. Blair ticks all the boxes, but Blair's got a real passion and speculates about the impact of newer generations who grow up with these technologies and how this will shape the future and potentially how we look at closing this technology and knowledge gap with older generations. What do you think it's going to look like in five years to to 10 years? And what's it going to look like for our children? So talk to me a day in the life of either working from home or in an office. Let's go first of all with five years. Uh, Five years, I believe a large percentage of people will permanently work at home. And what we'll start to see is that the generations which start to come into the workforce will be, um, how do you say this, work from home native. So we start to talk about, you know, my generation and the the younger generations as being digitally native. We're going to have this work from home native. And I don't think it will be called that necessarily. It's going to be probably something more around, you know, the hybrid aspect of it or work where you need to. But certainly in five years, this will be so normal, but it will be probably much more integrated and holistically considered in terms of processes, new ways of working. I think people will probably be more used to creating relationships digitally. I mean, I know we've spoken about what you get from digital relationships and in terms of the speed to connect and discuss things, but also what you lose because you don't get that human connection. So I think people will probably be consulting about how to fill the gap that will inevitably occur um, if a lot more people are working from home permanently. We're pretty well the same generation, you and I, if we add like about 13 or 14 years on top. So um, (laughs) I'm a very different generation to you. Uh, Do you see the uptake on this uh, struggle for like I'm I'm in my late 40s. So my kids are getting mobile phones. Archie's year five. He's got a dumb phone because he's at soccer four days a week. So he just does text and calls. I got my first mobile at 21. My parents got their first mobile at 40. Uh, I fixed up dad's flashing microwave a couple of years ago and you know, did the time and then dad went oh sue no did, did you realize this is a clock so he'd had video recorders and everything way back he'd never knew it was a time so when the technology train took off let's say trev was on the wrong platform so do you think this is going to be an us and them is it going to be a digital generation versus people who've missed the train or is this something that's going to be so much easier so much more adaptable that everyone will just do will get into biometrics and maybe not even know yeah, I mean, I think that example with the mobile phones is quite poignant because that did feel like an, an us and them. It's like digitally native and then, you know, grandparents and a lot of them did jump onto it, but still their usage of that digital channel was not what it would be if a young person had a mobile phone. It was it was quite a limited utility, generally speaking, that they would use, you know, FaceTime, maybe some apps and things like that. But I do think that this because we're progressing down the digital pathway, the new technology which is emerging right now, I don't think that the generations are going to be so as separated 
because the penetration of digital um, capability across a wider set of the population is increasing over time. So we're not filling as much of a gap. I mean, when we started to see iPhones be introduced to um, to industry, that was like a game-changing capability that was put in the hands. You'll notice now that when a new iPhone's released, it's kind of commoditized to an extent. We're talking about slightly improved picture quality and stuff like that. So or another camera. They're going to have 18 another cameras camera. in 20 years, adding a camera a year. So I don't think it's the gaps, but what I would say to, to bring it back to the to new technology is even if you look at what's going on with cryptocurrency, and the decentralized finance movement. The young generations are thinking about finance in a completely different way than, than the older generations. And we're probably not putting any brackets around that, who they are in terms of where the age fits into it. But some of the really young people, you know, they're 16, 17, 18, who are starting to think about financial planning at that age, they're talking about it in a way which is so unfamiliar to those who are, um, you know, uh, they've got their mortgage, they're paying it off, they're in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, potentially, generally speaking. But in saying that, those generations are also dabbling a little bit in cryptocurrency. I think 10 years ago, if you were to take a 60-year-old and introduce them to the concept of a cryptocurrency as their knowledge of digital ecosystems existed at that point, that would really feel like la-la land. But I think the jet, as I said a moment ago, the general capability around digital ecosystems and the evolution of what it means for us is uplifting. So those gaps may not be as big anymore um, across the different age brackets. But I mean, I don't have any evidence in that. It's probably just a bit of a feeling. Well, when you run a business like that, it's good evidence, isn't it, that it's growing in that direction. You want to be yeah. on the top end of the hockey stick rather than the reverse end. Agreed. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.